0: You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. You've got your Bible. Turn with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, reading in the New King James Version. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Or nails upon a chalkboard, as we might recognize. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked and it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit. One gift is the Spirit, and from that nine different manifestations of His power in our life, that is extraordinary. Who in here the Lord has ever used you to prophesy, to speak something which is not, and you declare it, and it came to pass. Raise your hand if you've prophesied. Who in here has seen people healed? The gift of healing given to the church, which follows the signs of those that believe, the laying on of hands. Who in here has seen genuine miracles? Unexplainable, undeniable miracles. Come on, hallelujah. Look at this room. Jesus. This awesome group. Who in here has ever had a word of knowledge? You knew something you just shouldn't know, but you know. Word of wisdom, where the Lord gave you supernatural direction and an idea and a plan, not of man, but of God, that got you out of something and moved you forward. Amen. Or the gift of faith is just where God lends His faith upon you, where you literally could just move a mountain. It's a, just, I couldn't describe it any other way, but the gift of faith, you have God's faith, and that, therefore nothing is impossible. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. We thank God for the power, and this church will always stand for that. My first year in the ministry, I asked the Lord what he want me to do, 2013, right after launching in 2012, so I guess my, into my second year, and the Lord said, I want you to contend for the supernatural. To contend for the supernatural, it's not that you're fighting God to do something. It's you're fighting mindsets oppositions and deception of the enemy or complacency and callousness of people's hearts. You know, the Bible says that people, Jesus couldn't do a great miracle in his hometown because they were basically calloused in their hearts concerning the package of which it came through. That's what you contend for in the supernatural, that God uses men, flawed men and women. You, get, you can't pick the package he uses it in and then you come against religious opposition and training of people and deception that, that holds people bondage but that's the power first corinthians 14 actually lists how a spiritual church should operate talking about paul saying you know people come in let someone prophesy let someone speak in tongues and then give interpretation things you see in the spirit-filled church only when you really think about it because i'm not i love the baptist i really do but you don't go to a baptist church and someone get up and speak in tongues and then someone interpret it and i did that today amen if you caught it just flow into the Holy Ghost and then interpret what the Lord was saying in that moment. It happens regularly here. You don't need a trumpet to announce it. It lays out the spirit-filled church operation. But 13, right in sandwich between the gifts and the operation of the gifts, is the reason or the purpose or the whole foundation of it all. That if you have power and you can do all of these things but you don't love, then you are nothing, says the Lord. You're doing it all wrong because when it boils down to it, God is love. You've got to love right. You've got to act right. You've got to be a believer in Christ Jesus that has been renewed in your actions, your minds, and how you govern and, or dictate or move in life and how you handle other people. How do you handle the lost? How do you handle worldly people? How do you handle enemies and opposition? These things matter in the kingdom of God. And you've got to learn how to tap into the presence of God. Amen. So Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now that means it is of the Spirit. So it's the fruit the Spirit produces in you. The Holy Spirit didn't just come to give you power. He came to give you a new character. Amen. So the same Spirit that you can prophesy with can also hold your tongue, as they say. When times you need to hold your tongue. Anybody in here ever had to hold your tongue before? Yes. Yes. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So in order to produce the fruit of the Spirit, first you have to be filled with the Spirit. Who's filled with the Spirit? Amen. Amen. We, we, if you're not filled with the Spirit, we'll pray for you today to be filled with the Spirit. But then you pour out that Spirit, and so then you have to keep coming and being filled afresh with the Spirit of God because you pour out of that Spirit. But your, your thing you're your, your having to learn to navigate is the flesh. It's the flesh that you, you basically can decide, am I going to operate in the flesh or in the Spirit today? And this opposition or this problem or this person is going to spur from you either a, a reaction from the flesh or from the Spirit. And how many people know when you react from your flesh, it doesn't usually wind out that good. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to put things in perspective, when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you hear the, 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 what love does, and then you hear the first fruit of the Spirit is love, and really it's because it is the gateway, and love is really all the fruit is the manifestation of the love of God, that you will do all of these things if you get love correct. Now, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, in America, we use the term love for a lot of things, you know. I remember growing up in the South, you were not allowed to use love or hate loosely, you know what I mean? Like, I hate green beans. Hate is a strong word, Caleb. We don't use that in in this house. We use dislike, whatever. And then love. I love basketball. Love is a strong word. Do you really love a sport? I think I do. But we use it loosely. And when you read what it actually is defined as in the word of God, I, I think you could realize if you use it as a mirror to your life, just how poorly you're able to love. Because if we, you know, in America, I love my wife. I do love my wife. But if you were to look at the person that I've probably been the hardest on in life, unfortunately, it's my wife. Because I have the closest relationship with her. I see her intimately. I know her faults. I know her strengths. And so by that, I wind up being so close to her. Even though I'm not supposed to take note of things done wrong. I'm not to puff up. I'm not to do these things. In the realm of a love relationship, you actually wind up screwing up love more than ever. We actually can almost be more kind to a stranger sometimes than we can to someone close to us because the stranger is perfect in our minds and this person, they, they, they're they not. And so, but then if you read it and realize, obviously your job is not to be the one to tell everybody else how they're doing it wrong. Your job is just to say, am I loving correctly? Right. Yeah. So if we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, to be a believer, to live righteous, to live right, Are you loving? For God is love. You can't do it without God. Amen. And the Bible says that we are known to be disciples of Christ by our love for one another. Do you love the people sitting in the room with you? It's interesting to me that what goes on in the church world, how many disagreements, arguments, um, problems that arise within a church always nagging at people and people just flake out and, and, and quit the things of God because they don't love well. Love doesn't mean I agree with everything that you do. Love doesn't mean I understand everything you do. Love just doesn't take note of the things you've done wrong to me and believes the best, confesses the best, and declares the best in you. And it never gives up on someone else. Amen. Amen. That's love. And so we're meant to love. And the Bible says we are known to this world as disciples of Christ based upon how well we love. So do you love well? Amen. Do you love the church well? Is this a place of love? I desire it to be. My friend that just visited from Texas said, man, just meeting your people, it's like a family. He said, it's like I go to a lot of churches. It's not like that in a lot of churches. We always try and set a culture of just love. Like, first let's love, and then we'll go on to greater things. Amen. But Well, not greater things. There is nothing greater. Let's just get love right. But then the Bible says not only are you supposed to love your the other people, but you're also supposed to love your enemies and bless them. You know how hard that is? I mean, think about it. Someone comes and steals from you, and God says, love them. That sucks. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Let's get real. How easy is that when a person steals from you, runs into your car, calls you a liar? That's the worst, is when people make up things about you, Anybody ever endured that before? Slander against you. Just destroy your name. Run your name through the mud just for their own personal satisfaction. And God says, love them. And then he says, actually, bless them. (laughs) And you just want to be like, God, you don't know what it feels like. And he's like, hello. The people that I was sent to save crucified me and I love them. What did Stephen say is they're stoning him to death. Lord, don't let this be on their their accounts. They know not what they do. As they're throwing rocks at you. And then you just got to think about that in life. Do I love well? Because if you begin to love well... What happens is the fruit of the Spirit is released in your life. You go from love, loving correctly, loving purely, loving the Lord, loving people, blessing your enemies, letting that love flow from you, which the Bible says is in you by the Holy Spirit, so you can't love right without God filling you with that love. And from that love comes joy. Shout joy. Thank God for joy, and joy is a choice. Shout choice. You can choose every day to be sad or glad. You can choose to be negative or positive. You can choose to find the problems in life or focus on the wonders, wonderful solution, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. That's your choice. I mean, I remember years ago, the Lord had me preach on joy in this church, and I wrote and I listed every, like, fun event in my life from the time I was a little kid and I just gave a story of who I was and all these great things talking about the joy and people were laughing and then I flipped it and just said the same life but I didn't tell any good thing I only said all the bad things in my life bro it went from joyous laughter to five minutes later people are like (laughs) and what you don't realize what comes out of your mouth some of you actually bring that everywhere you go because you don't have joy, you're not making a decision of joy. And so because you don't make the decision of joy, you're not carrying joy. Right. And then it's easy to get be like, well, it's easy for this person, they've had an easy life. No, that's not the indication. Sometimes you, just gotta, you have to choose joy regardless. The Bible says, choose it in the midst of trials and tribulations. Count that as joy because it just means it's going to turn around for good. Amen. Amen. So you've got to choose joy. Shout, choose it. Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In order to choose joy, you've been given a weapon, and that weapon is praise. Amen? That's where you just jump, you dance. When's the last time you jumped up and down in your living room and had like a tribal Holy Ghost pour out praise break? Come on. Old school Methodist, arms swinging, legs kicking, spit flying, Holy Ghost praise break. You got to learn to do that because life is heavy. Yeah. I mean, who, who, you don't even have to look for something to feel heavy about right now. Yeah. It's everywhere around you. I mean, monkeypox, which isn't really enough. It's really just fun to say, actually. Don't go up there and get the monkey pox. And... <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to get it. Pretty sure about that. I'm as sure I'm not getting monkeypox as I am that I'm not going to get pregnant. He gave us this garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that we may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah 61. Praise is a weapon that you use to shout until you break heaviness off and get the joy flowing in your life again. Amen. Today, choose joy. Shout joy. Joy. Amen. Then it says peace. Well, peace is the absence of fear, shame, guilt. It's that place of just, man, God loves me. I'm cared for. I'm precious to him, I'm the apple of his eye, I'm welcomed in, I'm seated at a table, that's, that's peace. You, you have nothing to strive for. You know what I'm saying? If you really look at life when you don't have peace, it's because you're so focused on trying to get somewhere or produce something or have something that it's a stress to you. Right? But when you're at peace, you're not try- striving for anything. You have everything you need. That's found in Christ Jesus only. And then that from that peace, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, Jesus said, that you're meant to carry peace, the peace he gives you, you give to this world. You're meant to be a carrier of peace everywhere you go. If we're Christians and we represent Christ, yes, we preach the gospel, yes, we'll cast out devils, yes, we'll lay hands on the sick, but yes, we will also bring a presence of peace in the room where agitation, hostility, anger is broken off of people's lives. Because they're so deceived, they're so bound up, they're so stressed, they're so striving. And then you come in and they're like, man, they feel a deep breath of relaxation. That's the peace. You're meant to carry the peace of God in this world. Amen. You have nothing to strive for, church. You realize that, right? Everything you have. And even if your greatest plans, it's like I wrote a plan in personal financial peace class, and I know we're getting late where I wrote that you had to give a 10-year vision of your life. Well, I wrote my 10-year vision. The guy that, that instructed the class came to me and said, I have never, in my 20 years of teaching college, read a vision like yours. It was like basically world domination. I mean, it was like elaborate. He was like, it really sounds like it could work too. I was like, yes. But I remember at that point in my life that the dream so big crushed me. I actually got not depressed because I've never really battled with depression, but I got like kind of like agitated, annoyed and frustrated because I was like, it's too big. I'll never be able to produce that. I can't get all of that done. Uh, I, I, Lord, help me. You know, and those, that heaviness that comes upon you because the dream is so big. Anybody in here have a big dream like that? Well, be at ease. Even if you don't produce the dream this side of eternity. We came up with a new word in the first service. Instead of YOLO, you only live once. We came up with YOLF. You only live forever, bro. Sounds like a big, big, big Norwegian Viking guy, YOLF. Or like a Keebler elf, too. I'm YOLF. I bake the best cookies in a tree. That's great, YOLF. Go make me a cookie. You only live forever. Whatever you don't produce, this side of eternity doesn't matter. You will rule and reign with Christ for eternity. And when you get to that side, you don't even need first-class tickets on a plane. You can just plop somewhere, amen? Amen. Plop there, plop there, plop there, plop there. Maybe plop's not a good word. People are thinking of the bathroom right now. (laughs) Plop. I didn't say plop. So be at peace. Stay in God's presence and carry peace and realize I'm not striving for anything. I have everything. I'm going to roll through the other ones pretty quickly because ultimately those first three, the kingdom of God is these things. Love, joy, and peace, and the Holy Ghost. And from that, the fruit of the Spirit rolls in my life. The next one is called long-suffering. Say long-suffering. It is what it sounds like. (laughs) Ever had to wait for something? a long time really long anybody in here ever been super hungry yeah. <laughs> anybody ever been starving it's already getting late you throw the grill on and you run out of gas oh and you got to go run to the store and then there's a line and then you're waiting on the gas and you're just like <sniffs> 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 when you're hungry that's when patience really runs thin you know what i'm saying We call it hangry in the United States of America. That's where you just kind of if you find me when I'm hangry, I've learned the wisdom in life to stop talking. (laughs) If you ever wonder why is Caleb sitting in the corner rocking quietly, it's because he's starving. (laughs) And rather than open my mouth and regret what comes out, I stay quiet. I'm just like. "Mm." And my wife recognizes you're really hungry right now, aren't you? She's trying trying to love people. She's trying to love. But I'm hungry patience is long-suffering that's where you put up with things you know the Bible says that he is isn't God patient with you through his patient loving kindness we're, we're transformed yes he's patient he doesn't give up on you he doesn't quit what is love never fails it never gives up it doesn't parade itself it stays consistent well thank God you should be a patient person whatever you're waiting for you have all of eternity to see this come to pass Rather be focused on the goodness of right now instead of the striving after something later. That's the patience that only God can bring. Let patience have its perfect work within you, James says, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word perfect is mature. Let patience work within you so that you can mature as a believer and lack nothing. Amen. Great things, wondrous things, things of value take time to produce. A a wonderful marriage takes years to produce it. Yes, you can have sparks and attraction, but a strong marriage takes years. So have patience and work these things out, which leads to kindness. Say kindness. You're meant to be kind. Yes, we are a spirit-filled church that preaches the Bible. We believe in righteousness and holy living. We know that men are men, women are women. We are not, God didn't make Adam and Steve, he made Adam and Eve. We know all of these things. We believe purity, but we are also kind people. I've sat with people dealing with same-sex attraction. I'm not like, you foul, ugly, weirdo, get out of my world. I'm Jerry, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm actually a kind person. That kindness comes from God. I tell people in counseling, I've had to sit with, crazy stuff comes up in counseling. Crazy stuff. But I've seen the church where the church fails. Thank God it comes to the pastoral leadership. I can love you regardless. And I don't think about those things. But I've seen the church, even when COVID hit, if they got COVID, the church treated them like they were lepers. And were like, are they going to come to church? We'd get messages. Is so-and-so coming to church? Because I heard they just recovered. Yeah, they're coming. And I'm going to have them lay hands on you six times <laughs> until you break that fear off of your life. It's a fever, and they're over it. Move on. But people lose kindness, and they get in this place of authoritarian, dominating, forceful, you know, whatever, and they call it just boldness. You can be a bold lover of God and a bold, kind person. You know what a bold, kind person is? It means they go out of their way to a stranger and encourages them, builds them up, then brings in the gospel, and the person leaves feeling empowered and saved. Rather than beat down kindness, you know, when we first came here, we we had been married. Let's see, twenty twelve. I my, wish, my wife was here. She can she does math on the fly and knows when we were actually married. We were married five years, I think, give or take. No, carry the one eight. But we were we were going to have to counsel people that have been married thirty years. You know what I'm saying? So you're like, if you, you don't feel adequate. So we actually went, I remember a time we were like, all right, we need to like really research like what's out there for marriage counseling, you know. We let's get resources. And so I'd always heard the number one reason why marriages fail is money, you know. The mishandling of finances causes of stress, the stress tears apart the marriage, whatever. But my wife, as she read it in in all, all the different reports, even just secular Things, what tears apart marriages. She actually said what she came across was people said the reason they, primary reason given for divorce is that their spouse stopped being kind. They just got sick and tired of being around someone that was mean to them all the time. They lost their kindness. See, what happens is we say we love, but then we get close to someone and we know their faults. Do you always judge them at their faults or do you extend love even in their failures and their weaknesses? That's kindness, extending love and failures and weaknesses. Even when you screw up, I'm, I'm here, man. That was a great screw-up. Let's do this. Let's do better. Amen? Yeah. That's kindness. Do you Are you a kind person? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Then there's goodness. Shout goodness. Yeah. Goodness is love in action. Being a good person. The Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil place within him brings forth evil things. Are you good? Goodness is where deep in your core... You're living the righteous life. You love God. You love people. You think of people. You're a good person. There's people that come in and profit off the church because their root, their, their, fun, their motives are off. They don't have good motives. They are only concerned with themselves. If you live your whole life and are willing to run over anybody and tread on top of anybody in order to promote yourself, that's not good. Let the goodness of God overtake you because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Be a good person rather than just a selfish person all the time thinking of yourself, trying to promote yourself, live a good life. Does that make sense? It's it's, it's just love in action. Am I actually showing forth love in my goodness and my kindness and pouring out from my life? And then there's faithfulness. Faithfulness to the Word of God, to the call of God, to those around you, to your spouse. Faithfulness, to be full of faith means to be faithful. Am I a faithful person? When God says to do something, do I just change because there's opposition? Or do I see it through to completion? When I declare something from my mouth, do I go back later and not do that thing because it was harder than I thought when I said I would do it? Are you faithful to your word? Is your yes, yes, or is it maybe? Are you with me right now? Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit of God because when God says He will do something, you can bet your life on it. He will do that thing. Doesn't matter how long it takes, doesn't matter what it costs him, he will see it through to completion. For the Bible says he is faithful to complete the good work within you that he began. Right. Amen. Amen. So even if you're like, when are we going to get there? When is this going to happen? When is this ministry going to be birthed? When is my business going to take off? When are these things going to happen? As long as you keep your eyes on God, it will happen because he's faithful. Amen. But the question is, are you faithful? Do you remain faithful? Faithfulness is lost in this society where we just let personal momentary satisfaction trump long-term faithfulness. If it feels good, do it. Forget being faithful to anything else. That's why we shift seasons all the time. I feel a shift of the Lord. Ever realize how much God gets blamed for of you being sketchy-minded? He gets blamed for everything. It's like you can't just say, I'm not going to do it. You have to say, the Lord told me to not do it. Poor God. He's not really poor. But he gets lumped into everybody's lack of faithful. You have got to stay faithful. Amen. If God says, I want you to do this, it might be trying. It might be difficult. It might be expensive. You might have people make fun of you for it, but be faithful to do it. And in your marriage, be faithful to your spouse. Don't let some... Nancy, the secretary, grab your eyes. Nancy can go on down the road and hire Tim instead. With a deep voice, I'm Tim, the secretary. Whatever it takes to stay faithful, really. I'm tired of seeing the church fall in this area. Put a guard up. I'm a kind person. I love the Lord. I love people. But with women, and I'm not trying to be mean, there will always be a wall up. You don't really get it close to me. There's only one lady well, three ladies or four ladies that really get close, Amen. but one primarily that knows everything. The rest of the people, I'll be kind, but you're out here. And that's where you belong. The Bible even says it's good for a man not to touch a woman, right? right? So use faithful. faithful. Wisdom just tells you, look, anybody can fall, but I choose faithfulness, which means I'm not going to put myself in a position that I can fall. It's that easy because I care about being what I'm supposed to be to the Lord, to my spouse, to my family. Lack of faithfulness destroys things. Be faithful. Be faithful. Then there's gentleness. Gentleness is, the Bible says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. It really goes with kindness. If you're a gentle person, you're not agitating, you're not pushing buttons, you're not always creating an uproar and problems everywhere you go. You handle things gently. The gentleness of God. Are you a gentle person? Are you easily excited or angered and pushed and blowing out, running out the gate, trouncing people? Or do you, can you remain gentle? Gentleness would go with meekness, too. It's the same trait. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you have power and self-control over yourself, which is the last fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And if you look at the fruits of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Spirit, and we're closing with this. The Lord has done a great thing today. It's been awesome. Don't forget about tonight's service. Starts with love. That's something you get filled with. And it ends with self-control. So what does that show you? It shows his part and your part. I want to have the fruit of the Spirit. I have to get his part. And then I have to do my part. Which is practice self-control. Because the Word says God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that and that only will he reap. If you sow to the flesh, what's going to happen? You will from, from the flesh reap destruction the bible says so every time anything comes at you every time things are presented to you if you choose to listen to your flesh you're sowing to the flesh then that reaps back destruction in your life i got angry that person got angry that's destruction in your life i was jealous that person got jealous it's destruction in your life but if you lend to the spirit you'll from the spirit reap life everlasting so it shows you the fruit of the Spirit to be Christ-like, to show who Christ is to this world. I need His help every day. Amen. Father, fill me up every single day like you filled us up today. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Pour out in my life, let my household be a place where the, it's an altar for the Lord to pour out. But then let me live it right. right. Yeah. Let me practice self-control by always inclining to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.